I think we can all agree that learning is more fun when you do it with friends, right? So if one of your summer goals is to learn more about the science of reading and how to incorporate it into your classroom, then let me invite you to join our free summer book study. During the month of June, we are gonna be hosting a free book study for teachers just like you, where we are gonna work our way through the book, Shifting the Balance, Six Ways to Bring the Science of Reading into Your Upper Elementary Classroom. And we'd love to have you join us. We're gonna read one chapter a week and inside our book study Facebook group, you're gonna get to participate in things like our weekly Facebook Live, discussion posts, you're gonna get some really awesome freebies and the chance to win some stellar prizes. All of this is going to help you align your instruction with the science of reading next year. It's gonna be fun. And even if you don't think you'll have time to read every single chapter, still consider joining. You're gonna get a lot out of the group even if you don't have time to read the entire text. So I hope to see you this summer where we can all learn alongside each other. You can sign up at stellarteacher.com slash bookstudy. That's all one word, stellarteacher.com slash bookstudy. And I'll see you inside our group. You're listening to episode number 35 of the Stellar Teacher Podcast. Teaching literacy is tough, but with the right tools, you can be not only good, but great. Amazing. I'm talking off the charts impactful. Hey, I'm Sarah Marie, a literacy specialist with over a decade of experience working as a classroom teacher and school administrator. Tune in each week to this podcast to hear no fluff lesson ideas and strategies that will help you feel confident in your abilities to truly grow your students as readers. Are you ready? Let's dig in. Hi friends. Oh my goodness. It is Monday, July 19th. First of all, I cannot believe that this is already episode number 35 of the podcast. The last five weeks as we have been kind of like in our Stellar Teacher Summer Series have seriously been so much fun. I have absolutely loved connecting with teachers inside our Upper Elementary Reading Teachers Facebook group. And if you have not joined us there yet, even though our summer series is over, I would love to have you in that community because it's just been so much fun. We have so many great questions and connections, and it's just been such a great way for teachers to get energized about teaching reading. Um, I've gotten so many messages from teachers this summer saying that they are excited and enthusiastic and ready to go back, and that has just been so fun. And then if you've been either listening to this podcast or a part of my community in any way, then you also know that today is the very last day that you will have the opportunity to join the Stellar Teacher Reading Membership before this next school year begins. And this membership site, in case you are brand new and never heard of it, it is a resource library. It's really so much more than a resource library, but it is a resource library that is perfect for third, fourth, and fifth grade reading teachers. And inside the membership, you get access to so many resources, things like scripted mini lessons, differentiated reading plans, or reading passages, small group strategy lessons, anchor charts, and graphic organizers, and thinking stems, and parent resources, and literally so many things. I, it's like I've tried to include everything, but you also get the support. So you get training videos and implementation videos. And ultimately, I think about, when I think about this community, what I wish I would have had when I was in the classroom to sort of save some of that time and energy with all the planning and prep work so you can focus on teaching reading. And that's really what I created with this membership. So If you have been considering joining the membership, today is today, July 19th, when this episode goes live, is your last day to join. 
So do not wait too long. I would hate for you to miss out on the opportunity for you to get into this community before the school year begins. We have had so many teachers. One of the teachers the other day sent me a message and it just, it made my day, but she said, oh my goodness, where has this membership been my entire life? And I'm like, I don't know, but I'm so glad you found it now. And really my goal is always to help teachers when it comes to teaching reading. And if you've listened to this podcast for a while, then obviously you know that that's why I share the ideas and the strategies and The thing that I tell teachers is sometimes sometimes things like this podcast and blog posts and Facebook Lives are enough. And if this podcast is absolutely enough for you, then by all means, please continue tuning in week after week. But I also know that sometimes teachers want a little bit more support. They're like, great, these ideas are wonderful and amazing. I still don't have time to do the work to prepare them, to find the resources, to actually put them into action. And that's really what the membership is. It gives you the ideas. It gives you, you know, lesson plan resources, but then it also gives you whatever it is that you need to put them into action. So just know that you are more than welcome to join us. We will include a link in the show notes if you have been considering joining us. So that way you can get in before the doors close tonight. So if we see you, great. If not, I will continue tuning in every Monday for my episode. So today what I wanted to do is Last Monday or last Monday and Tuesday, I did a free workshop and it was called Three Proven Steps to Get Your Students to Love Reading and Master the Standards. And if you joined me for that workshop, we had so much fun. It literally was just such a fun time. I loved being able to talk with teachers about different things that they can do and how to help set up their reading block in a way that is successful. Now, what I wanted to do is I know not everybody was able to make it to that training. So I did want to go through and talk through kind of some of the important key points that I shared during that training with you today. So if you came to my training last week, then this is maybe going to be a little bit of a repeat. I also know that I tend to talk really quickly and don't always have as much time to go as in-depth as I possibly do. So today I wanted to talk about this idea of why we need to create, and how to actually create a student-centered reading block. And this is such an important thing for us to consider as you are getting ready to go back to school. I know I have heard from some teachers who are actually starting school on August 2nd, which is going to be here so soon. And so whether you start in August or September, I want you to take some time and think about what are you going to do to help increase the student involvement in your reading block? How are you really going to create a student-centered reading block? And Before I kind of jump in to some practical tips and suggestions, one of the things I asked my audience during this workshop, and I'm going to ask you, but it's this sort of like taking a step back and thinking about how we how we plan our instruction and how we teach it. And here's what I want to know is, have you ever taught a lesson where your whole group teaching took too long and your students didn't get as much time to apply and practice what it is that you taught? And as I'm asking you that question, I'm really hoping that you're going to say, oh yeah, for sure I've done that because that was my reality as a teacher way more often than it should have been. We would be teaching a lesson and then all of a sudden I would look down at the clock and I'd say, oh my goodness, it's time to go to lunch. Like pack up your books. We'll finish up this lesson when we get back. Or I'd realize that we had an assembly and it's like, okay, well, you'll be able to practice that later. Or we realized we had like a math test or something and it's like, okay, we'll take this practice home and do this for homework as well. And ultimately, the bulk of my instructional day ended up being consumed by whole group instruction, and my students really never had a chance to practice and apply what it is that we taught. And so we really need to change our thinking about that, and we really need to shift that, because if we want to create a student-centered reading block, 
We really need to take a step back and think about how are we planning to set up and structure the time that we do have to teach reading. And one of the things that we need to do is rather than asking ourselves, what do I have time to teach this week? We need to instead ask, do my students have enough time to practice what it is that I teach? And I think this is such almost like a foreign idea, at least for me it was. If you are like, oh yeah, I'm already asking myself that, then you are way ahead of where I was when I was in the classroom. But so often we look at our week and we think, okay, what are all of the things that I can cram in? Okay, this week I can teach my students about you know context clues and I have time to do a lesson on theme. And ooh, if we get through that really quickly, then I bet we can also squeeze in Greek and Latin roots. And I also want to read you know an extra chapter of this and I'm behind in this. And so I want to add that in there as well. But the problem is, is every time we teach our students something new, we need to make sure that they have enough time to practice it and apply it. And here is the reason. And if you have been listening to my podcast, then you've heard me say this before. Mastery does not happen at the end of whole group instruction. It does not happen during whole group instruction. It does not happen at the end of students learning one lesson. Mastery happens when our students have consistent opportunities to practice and apply what it is that we are teaching. And so ultimately, if we want our students to master the standards, to master the comprehension skills we are teaching or whatever it is, we have to make sure that there is enough time in their instructional day for them to actually practice and apply it. And then here's the other thing that we need to be kind of okay with and aware of is just because our students have time to practice and apply, that doesn't mean that they've instantly mastered it. Again, this is like a confession from when I was in the classroom. And I know that I'm not the only one that, that did this, but I would, I would teach my students something, you know, maybe on, on Monday, I would introduce this idea of comparing and contrasting characters and maybe Monday and Tuesday, you know, I spent a lot of time teaching and Wednesday and Thursday, my students are practicing. And then on Friday, I gave them an assessment. And I expected that after, you know, four days of instruction, two days of practice, they would have mastered that. And I kind of now looking back at that, I'm like, how ridiculous. Why did I think that they were going to actually master that? Because if you think about, you know, if you think about any sort of professional athlete, the number of times that they will simply practice, you know, free throws, or they will practice their golf swing, or musicians who practice the same scales over and over and over again. Repetition is so important for us to get to mastery. And before we actually pause and consider, have our students mastered what I have taught, we need to take a realistic look at how much time have they actually had to practice it. So, I have a couple steps that you can take if you are wanting to really commit and double down to this idea of creating a student-centered reading block, then I've got a couple of things that you can do. Hey teachers, I'm interrupting this episode with some exciting news. Guess what? The doors are finally open to the Stellar Teacher Reading Membership. The school year will be here before you know it, and I know with that comes a lot of stress and maybe even some tears as you say goodbye to summer. The Pinterest searches and the Target dollar spot trips are beginning as you plan out how you want to wow your new students. Well, when it comes to planning your literacy block, there's a better way. A way that will save you stress, money, and most importantly, time. The Stellar Teacher Reading Membership is a growing resource library that will give you the no prep lessons, tools, and support you need so that you can go back to putting your energy into what you're actually meant to do, teaching. It is literally a one-stop shop created for reading teachers just like you. Want to know the best part? There are new resources that are added every single month. All you have to do is head to stellarteacher.com slash join now to learn more. 
But hurry, because doors close on July 19th, 2021, and they will not open again before the school year begins. I cannot wait for you to join us. So until then, have a stellar summer. First thing I want to encourage you to do is if you have not already committed to doing so, I would encourage you to use the reading workshop framework. And I've talked about this before on the podcast, and I'm going to run through it really quickly. But the reading workshop framework, the reason why I love the reading workshop framework is because that it prioritizes independent practice. Okay. So if you have 60 minutes, then 10 minutes of your reading block is spent for the whole group mini lesson. 40 to 45 minutes is spent on independent reading or independent practice. And then you have five minutes at the end for closure. And so if you looked at that on a pie chart, three quarters of your reading block is spent on students or given to students for independent practice. And so again, if we are teaching them just one small bite-sized objective, and then we give them so much time to practice not only that objective, but everything else we've taught them along the way, they are going to have so many more opportunities to practice and the repetition and just the opportunities to apply it and struggle through it and actually get to the point where they have mastered it as compared to if that were flipped. And if our whole group instruction took 45 minutes and we were only giving our students 10 minutes for independent practice. So that's really why I like the reading workshop framework. And I've talked with you guys before how there really isn't just one way for you to teach reading. There is multiple ways that you can set up your reading block. And I prefer to use that 45 minutes of independent reading time for actual independent reading. But I know some some teachers like to use the daily five model. So maybe students are reading, responding to reading, listening to reading, writing about reading, buddy reading. That can be included in there. Sometimes teachers like to use centers. And so that can also be a part of that 45-minute time. Could have students practicing word work. They could be practicing vocabulary. So there's multiple opportunities on how you can set up that block. But the important thing is that the bulk of your reading lesson should be dedicated for students to have independent practice. Now, Here's sort of the second step. So that's the first step. Make sure you implement the reading workshop framework. The next step is you want to think about how are you going to plan for guided support? And again, going back to this idea, so often we have this misconception that just because we teach something (laughs) that our students should have learned it. And I know that there's like this saying out there that it's like just because we taught it is not a guarantee that our students have learned it. And that is so very true. And again, I think that that was a lesson that took me maybe a little bit longer to fully embrace is because I would like to think that I'm a great teacher. I would like to think that just because I, you know, I've taught a lesson, like I went through my lesson plan, I taught off all the objectives. I definitely taught my students everything they needed to master the standards. But yet I noticed that my, not all of my students were mastering the objectives, but of course that couldn't be my fault. I taught them, right? Well, actually, it is my fault. If our students aren't growing, then there are plenty of things that we can do as teachers to help support them. And ultimately, what we need to do is we need to think about this idea of student mastery as more of a long-term approach. So again, just because we've taught something, that does not instantly lead to student mastery. There are so many little bits and pieces that go from whole group instruction to the point to when our students actually master the standards or the objectives that we're teaching. Ultimately, what we need to do is we need to think about what goes into our reading block in between our whole group lessons and the time we want our students to master the objectives. And so those are things like small group lesson plans, strategy groups, reading conferences, even giving our students very specific resources like anchor charts or strategy cards. 
things that they can go back and refer to as a, as a, you know, you taught a lesson on um, making inferences and maybe they forget the steps to doing that. So if you give them a strategy card, they can actually go back and review the strategy card and answer their questions. Maybe you give them thinking stems and maybe you say, okay, here's questions you can ask yourselves while you're reading to apply this skill. Even things like spiral review. So you taught something. And just because we taught it, again, is not a guarantee that our students have mastered it. So we're going to be intentional about planning for spiral review all throughout the year. So all of those things that I just mentioned are examples of ways that we can support our students, that we can give them guided support as they're working on mastering these objectives. Because again, all of our students are different. Even all of the objectives that we teach our students are going to be learned at different rates and paces. And we want to make sure that beyond our whole group lessons, that we are giving our students, whether it is tools, additional practice opportunities, whatever it is, anything that will help them get to mastery. So again, sort of creating a plan for guided support. That's kind of the next step in how we create a student-centered reading block is making sure that we are being intentional about how we support our students on their way to mastering the objectives after our whole group instruction. And then the third thing we need to think about is this idea of how are we setting up our students for success? And one of the things that I hear from teachers a lot when I talk about the reading workshop framework and I throw out this idea of we want our students to be independently reading for 40 minutes, a lot of teachers will say, and if I'm being honest, I kind of gave up this resistance too when I first heard about the the workshop model. And that is this, my students could never read for 40 minutes. There is no way that that could happen. And first of all, let me just go ahead and say, if you have that thought in your head, if you are saying my students could never fill in the blank, they will never do that, okay? What we think about and what we believe ultimately becomes what is true. So if you have already said there is no way that will ever happen, then chances are your students aren't actually going to be successful with independent reading. So what I want to do is I want to challenge you to think about what would it actually take for your students to be successful with 40 to 45 minutes of independent reading. And one of the things that we have to make sure we are doing is explicitly teach our students the very specific habits and behaviors your students need to be successful during independent practice. I think it took me a couple years of teaching before I realized that I was responsible for teaching my students more than just reading comprehension, that I actually had to teach them the habits and the behaviors of a successful reader. And a lot of teachers, because I've used this phrase, habits and behaviors before, and a lot of teachers will say things like, okay, well, what, what do you mean when you say habits and behaviors? What exactly is that? And those are things like, for example, we want our students to have a book box or a book bin that is organized, right? They know the exact books in there. They know the genres. They know where they're at in each book if they've read them. We want our students to have maybe a list of books that they want to read in the future, right? We want them to constantly be forward thinking on what's the next thing that I'm going to be reading. Uh, We want our students to be able to effectively talk with their classmates about what it is that they're reading, and we want them to contribute to the classroom community. We want our students to maybe, if they have a reading response journal, or if they use graphic organizers, we want them to fill those out and complete them in an effective way. Um, If students are sitting down to read independently, ultimately, we want them reading for the entire duration of that time. We don't want them flipping through pages or switching books or or getting up and going to get a drink of water every three minutes or trying to sharpen their pencil and avoiding tasks. We want them actively engaged in reading. So all of those things that I just listed, none of those are comprehension skills. None of those are things that are addressed in the standards, but all of those are habits and behaviors that your students will need to have if they're going to be successful during independent reading. 
And all of those things that I listed, unfortunately, are not necessarily things that are going to be innate to your students, which means we have to explicitly teach them. You need to do a mini lesson to show your students how to keep their books, books, their book boxes organized. You probably have to do a mini lesson to teach students that, hey, guess what? Real readers in the real world keep a list of what they want to read. Readers have a conversation about books, and this is what that conversation looks like. So we have to teach all of our students these habits and behaviors we want them to embody. And when I got to the point in my career where I realized I needed to do this was when I moved to fourth grade and when I assigned my students reading response activities or a reading response. I think I'd ask my students to summarize something that they had read and I asked them to put it in their reading journal. And in my head, writing a summary about the book you read in your reading journal seemed like very clear directions and very explicit. And ultimately, I had some students that pulled out their science journal. I had some students that flipped to the back of their book. I had some students that, you know, wrote in the middle of the page. I had some students that copied verbatim what they read. And I had some students that wrote one sentence. And I maybe had two or three students that did what I asked them to do or what I thought I asked them to do. And I realized, I was like, okay, what I thought was clear was obviously extremely vague to my students because I got such a varied response. And so that made me realize that I have to be very explicit about everything. If you are having your students write in a reading journal, which page do they turn to? Where do they write the heading? What do you want them to write? How many questions are they answering? If you want them to use a a graphic organizer, are they writing in complete sentences? Are they writing in phrases? How much evidence from the text do you want them to use? All of these things that we have to teach our students because they just might not know. So One of the best ways to do this, to explicitly teach habits and behaviors, is to think about what do you want your reading block to look like, let's say, in November or in February. If your independent reading time was going as smoothly and as perfectly as you wanted it to, what does that look like? Jot all of those things down, and then everything that you wrote down is something that at some point during the year, you have to teach your students. And I would say try to teach as many of those things at the beginning of the year as you can. And that is pretty common. I think most teachers like to spend time on routines and transitions at the start of the year. So you might already be doing that. But let me remind you that things like habits and behaviors need to be taught all throughout the year. So even if you spend the first three weeks teaching your students how to real read versus fake read, if you show them how to set up their reading journals and keep their book bins organized, you still might have to reteach and teach and add new objectives and behaviors into your reading plans in October and November and December. So that's the first thing that you can do. The next thing you can do to set up your students for success is to slowly build up their independent stamina. And this is for independent reading. So if our goal is to get our students to 40 or 45 minutes of independent reading, then we are going to start at maybe eight minutes. And then we're going to maybe add 30 seconds to a minute every single day. And so it's going to take maybe five or six weeks for them to get all the way up to 40 minutes. But if you slowly build their stamina, then it's going to just, it's going to be such a natural progression. They're never going to be overwhelmed by this extreme amount of time. Now, not only does this idea of slowly building stamina work for the number of minutes that they're reading, but it also should work for the type of tasks we're asking them to do. If you do something like centers, so often we want to jump right in and teach our students all of the centers, that can be overwhelming. So instead, teach one center to the entire class. And then maybe teach another center and then have them practice rotating between just those two. Or if you have a specific reading routine that you want them to do or a reading response, if you use like a choice board, we have to teach our students how to complete the activities on choice boards. And so if you have a specific set of response activities that your students always have the options for, teach them how to do each individual activity and then teach them how to choose which one they want to do. 
So all of the things we have our students do, not just the reading, but the responding to reading. If you want your students to write a response about what they're reading, you might have to start by having them write one sentence summaries and then slowly build up to a paragraph summary. If you want your students to complete a graphic organizer, maybe you start with a small sticky note where the graphic organizer is small and tiny and all they have to do is write in words and then slowly build up to a larger, more full-size graphic organizer where they may be writing in complete phrases or sentences. But again, we have to slowly build their stamina for anything that they're going to be doing independent, not just reading, but all parts of reading. And then finally, if we really want our students to be successful, we have to let them And ultimately, this means that as teachers, we need to let ourselves also experience failure with our instruction. And rather than using that as a cue that this is not working, we need to use that as a chance for us to grow and learn from that. I know when I first started teaching, and this was when I was in second grade, but I struggled with classroom management. I struggled with centers. I struggled with the transition time. And after maybe a month, a month and a half of it not going well, I just gave up. And I said, you know, we've tried this. We've tried this for five weeks. It's not going well. We're wasting time. We're not getting anything done. I'm just not going to do centers. And my students are going to do the same independent practice. And most of my instruction is going to be whole group. And I'm just not going to pull small groups because I can't figure it out. And I gave up. And instead, what I should have done is I should have realized that the failure that my students were experiencing was a cue for something that I needed to teach. I needed to be more explicit with my transitions and we needed to practice them over and over and over again. I needed to simplify the center activities. I needed to be clear about the expectations during my center rotations and teach them and practice them and model them. I just sort of threw my students into their centers, gave them all their rotations, and didn't actually take the time to slowly build up that stamina. But instead of actually stopping and reflecting and thinking about what is going wrong and how could I fix it, I just gave up. So if independent reading has not gone well for you in the past, don't say, well, it just doesn't work for my students. It just doesn't work for me. Think about what hasn't gone well and think about how you can actually grow from that and teach your students something that will help them be successful because they can be successful and you as a teacher can be successful. So let me just review. If you want to create a student-centered reading block, there's really three things that you can do. One, you can use the reading workshop model because that's going to give you plenty of time for independent practice. Two, you can create a guided plan for support and you can think about what are all of the things you're going to give your students between your whole group instruction and by the time you want them to master. And then three, you can make sure that you are setting your students up for success by explicitly teaching them those habits and behaviors, slowly building their stamina, and then not giving up too soon. So Hopefully some of those things give you an idea as you get ready to start your school year. And one of the things that I shared with the people at the workshop is a very quick action item. If you're thinking, okay, this sounds great. This sounds doable. This is something that I can I can handle. What I want you to do is I want you to take a little bit of time after you listen to this podcast, and I want you to brainstorm a list of those those specific habits and behaviors that you want your students to embrace and things that they're going to need to be able to do and things that they're going to have to have and know in order to be successful with independent practice. And then make that long list and then figure out which ones do I want to teach in August and put those into your lesson plans. And then think about which ones might you need to review and add in and spiral later in the year and create kind of your calendar of when you're going to address certain habits and how you're going to reinforce them all throughout the year. And then kind of as a challenge, if you already have your reading block schedule created, or if you haven't yet, maybe you want to sit down and create that, look and see how much time have you dedicated to independent practice. And then my challenge for you is, can you give your students a little bit more time to practice what it is that you have taught them. Because 
going back to what I said in the beginning, mastery does not happen during our whole group instruction, and it does not happen immediately after. Mastery happens as a result of our students getting multiple opportunities to practice and apply what it is that we've taught them. So we want to make sure that this next school year, our students have ample opportunities to be able to practice. And again, just a reminder that if you want to have support creating a student-centered reading block and making sure that your students are set up to be success and that your bite-sized instruction during that 10-minute whole group lesson is as effective as it can be and your students are working on the right things during that independent practice, then we would love to have you inside the Stellar Teacher Reading Membership because we talk about this, we provide support for this, and so much more, and doors are open today. They will be closing tonight at midnight, so you have a limited time to join us before the school year begins. And as always, thank you so much for tuning in on Mondays. This podcast is just so fun for me. I've loved connecting with teachers. And if you haven't already joined us inside the Upper Elementary Reading Teachers Facebook group, be sure to do that. And I hope you will tune in next week because next week we have a very special guest episode that I am so excited to air. So we will see you guys next week. And until then, I hope you guys have a very stellar week. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Stellar Teacher Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode and are finding value in this podcast, it would mean the world to me if you would follow along and leave a five-star positive review. This helps me spread the word to more and more teachers just like you. And don't forget to join me over on Instagram at the Stellar Teacher Company. You can always find the links and resources from this episode in the show notes at stellarteacher.com. I'll see you back here next week.